Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The South Coast End Zone Podcast. Extended coverage of high school football from sports editor Lori Lose of the Standard Times. Now, the South Coast End Zone. Welcome back, high school football fans. This is the South Coast End Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Brennan Curie, and I'm a little under the weather, if you can't tell. I'm going to fight through it here, though, like a football player on a Friday night. I'm joined by two awesome guests, Sam Schilling and Nick Fryer. How are you guys doing? Doing great. And I got to say, Brendan, even though you're sick, um, I appreciate the hustle. And more importantly, I appreciate you dressing up for Halloween, still rocking the Harley Quinn outfit. Sam rocking his Catwoman outfit. I respect it very much. And I'd like to thank Ed Collins for inspiring me to dress as Terminator. Um, it's a little outdated, I think, but it feels right. You have the build, right? You have the physique to do oh, it. Wow. I didn't expect the compliments, but I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, so I might not do the heavy lifting on the talking here. A uh, little behind, pull the curtain back on the podcast here. I have a 15-month-old son who has started daycare a few weeks ago. And so my house is just a mess of germs and disease. And I am battling all of them right now. So that's how it happened. I didn't get When you said daycare, it didn't make sense. I mean, I'm not a parent. So, Sam, are you a parent? No. Okay. No. All right. I yeah, get one, one parent in the room. And it's not adult daycare either. So, yeah. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> Still managed to get myself around. So anyway, so we're going to be looking at the... Week 9 high school football slate, which features one playoff game and eight non-playoff games for our area teams. So we're going to start off with the playoff game. This is a rematch from last year's playoffs. Last year was a first-round game. This year it's a Division 6 South semifinal game. Number 4, Dedham, is coming to town to visit number 1, still undefeated, Old Rochester. Bulldogs able to hold off a fourth-quarter surge from Bishop Stang last week. They're up 21-3. They ended up winning 27-22. Dedham, meanwhile, knocked off another team we're very familiar with, the Poniquit, 34-14, with maybe the most impressive high school quarterbacking uh, stat line I've ever seen. Uh, their quarterback was 20 for 21. Let me make sure I get this right. Here. Ryan Flaherty, 20 for 21 for 260 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed you didn't have any... Um any ground numbers in there? Like, did, they did, ran for 52 yards as a team. Okay. See, that is huge for them going into this because you said it last week when we were talking about Stang versus Old Rochester that Lopes could be a big problem for them because he's so dynamic. Look, obviously, this guy, Ryan Flaherty for Denim is an impressive quarterback, but not having a guy who's just a one-trick pony, I guess, as, as impressive as he may be, that could be huge for, for Old Rochester's defense. It is easier to just kind of key on the pass, I think, in this game, although they did do a good job of shutting down Lopes until that – Final drive, uh, you know, he ended up with like 50 yards, but I think he only had about 30 through mm-hmm. three and a half quarters. Yeah, I think the thing that hurt the Stang was it took too long to go to the pass almost exclusively. They could have had Eric Camacho uh, every single snap for a 10-yard hitch, and they were a little slow. Uh, you know, the second half opened up, onside kick by Old, old Rochester, they recover. Uh, probably one of the better defensive plays, Doug Chica of Bishop Stang, read the ball, it was a QB keep, stripped um 
Cole McIntyre gets the ball back. Huge momentum play on the first play from scrimmage. Bishop Stang, you know, there's a face mask by one of the Borsari brothers. You know, so Stang's got first and 10 from the 40-yard line heading in. And three straight runs. Finally, they try to pass the ball. Nothing doing. Old Rochester comes down, scores scores 21-3. to And then they finally go to the pass. And, you know, if they hadn't dug themselves such a hole... It w- I think it would have been their game. So to me, it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the quarterback doesn't pass the ball. To me, this game comes down to the weather on Friday night. You think it's just going to be that? Yeah, because I don't think again Tyler No was out last week, but the coverage is. I mean, I, Old Rochester they showed against Case, who got blown out by Nantucket. Now He's- Justin Coker's defense there would be they didn't game plan to stop a pass from Case. Mm-hmm. They game plan for a running team. They didn't game plan for a spread team. So I was talking to him this week. He's like, last week was the first week they had spent the week. Game planning for a spread team. Yeah, and what were what was Justin Lopes' numbers last uh, week? Lopes threw for 250 yards. Okay. But uh, about probably 130 of that came in the fourth quarter. You know, okay. So when, they when you're playing more of a prevent they defense, trying. you're up 21-3. to three. Well, I'm saying you, you play a little bit differently when you're up 21-3 late in the game than when you're playing in the first quarter or second quarter. That's yeah. true. Well, to me, it just exclusively comes down to the weather. If, if, it's, if it's ugly, tough time gripping the football um, – and it's as bad as they say it's going to be right now. Again, a lot of teams are moving their games to Thursday. They're so worried about the weather. Then it plays right into old Rochester's hands. They're a grinded out, tough, big, strong offensive line. They're going to roll. But if it's somehow the weather breaks or something in the pattern, I think that that, that secondary, they're just waiting to run into, unless they're using this time to really you know, brush up on that stuff, um, you know, they're – it's going to be tough when they face a spread team in, in good weather conditions. So you think under now they, they did play Dedham last year in the playoffs, same quarterback, same receivers. Basically, I think uh, I was told it was 20 starters are back from both sides of the ball. For, um, for Dedham? Yeah, for Dedham. Wow. Yeah, and also they have almost 100 kids total, so they're playing almost exclusively different kids on both platoon, sides of the ball. Platoon football, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he did throw. He was 15 of 21 last year for 251 yards, two touchdowns, but he did throw two interceptions. Okay. And that was the big difference last year. And Old Rochester has shown they can pick the ball off. They picked it off four times against Case. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did pick it off against uh, Justin Lopes as well last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think Sam is raising a good point as much as I still think that Old Rochester can hang if I mean if the weather's fine. But it will make a huge difference in terms of the uh, the uh, the gap in the score for sure in this one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird that it's going to come down to that, but that's high school football for you, I guess. Yeah, I would say the worse the weather is, the more it plays in Old Rochester's hands. But I wouldn't write them off, even if it's good weather. No, no, they'll definitely still be in it, but it will be much a much tighter contest than, I mean, than the alternative for sure. And it's looking like it's going to go in Old, Ro- Old Rochester's favor too, because we were looking at the weather before this. Oh, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you think uh, you know Aponiquid had some success on the ground too, so that again kind of plays into you know Old Rochester's favor. Um, I think they just need to be a little bit better taking care of the football too. They yes. were a little loose. That'll um, be huge. Number of fumbles, I think. Three guys had fumbles, then an interception. Um, so, again, the, the margin for error is narrowing, narrowing as the teams get better you're facing. So that's got to be it. And But, again, I think it's a great Friday night to be playing a kind of a an air-based Dedham team. So Yeah, it won't have that. And, that, and that field is not usually in great condition at Old Rochester. No. They no. play so many different sports on there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's usually when, pretty torn up. When you're coming I, from the field turf to that, that's a huge, you know, that's a different game in a lot of ways. I don't know how they play soccer on that field, but that's <laughs> beside the point. I, I, I can't... Um, it's funny, I was actually talking to Mike Duvall, the soccer coach today, and they're, uh, they're in the tournament, they're going to be going to a turf field, and he was like, oh no, we're actually better on turf. 
Well, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, if you have an idea, like, he, he didn't even think because there was home his field a home field advantage. Wow, wow, yeah, there you go. But yeah, I can't see. I, I still, I see old Rochester. I know I'm going a little early on the picks again, per usual. But I think old Rochester is still going to come out on top in this one, no matter what, because we're focusing so much on Dedham's offense. But at the same time, if they're if they were giving up you know runs to uh, Aponiquit, then why should we assume that old Rochester can't do even better against them, right? Yeah, Ponquid had uh, 92 yards from Kevin Hughes and, and 80-something from Brent Dixon. Um, and they had about 250 yards of offense, so they moved the ball in Dedham. Mm-hmm. And the one thing we haven't mentioned really from the Stang or our game is Stang's defense never stopped Old Roger. Other than the, tur- the turnovers were the only times they stopped him. Yeah. There was one turnover on downs in the first possession, but Old Rogers had put up 22 first downs, rushed for over 300 yards. And that's kind of what the only time I've really seen a team slow down Old Rogers' running game was the middle two quarters against Dighton Rehoboth. Mm-hmm. They scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, and then the next two quarters, it was the first time I'd really seen them, you know, either three and outs or maybe one first down, and then having to punt. Yeah, we have not seen all Rogers punt very many times this whole season. Yeah, those turnovers, they're not going to happen again, though. I mean, they may turn over one, two times, especially if the weather's brutal out there, but then Dedham's going to do the same thing. I just can't imagine old Rochester letting things get that out of hand. I know the last two games have been tighter than initially expected, but... Kogler's, I mean, he runs a tight ship over there. I got to imagine he's, you know, instilling the fear of God into those kids right now after four turnovers in one game. I'm sure they're pretty ball security. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting, you know, again, getting Tyler No to kind of threaten the edge. Um, there's another kid, uh, Bryce Afonso, I believe it was. Like, he, he kind of for, impressed for me. touchdown catch yeah, this week. But he, you know, moves really well, a uh, pretty legit athlete. Um, so I think, you know, they'll they'll be able to take their chances. The one thing that I'm waiting to see, though, is uh, Bishop Stang is, is – really undersized up front Mm -hmm. so again this dedham team if they're dressing 100 kids you'd figure there's a handful of them that are you know 280 some big boys up front and if they go to that kind of five-man line um and just try to you know force cole mcintyre to throw it or you know challenge him up front i just think that it'll be interesting because it doesn't feel like outside of the dighton rehoboth game that they've really you know uh been pushed because you know again outside of the turnovers last week it was pretty much a knife through butter yep all right, let's go around to make some picks here. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with old Rochester no matter what. And then in terms of the score, I mean, it's if it's like Sam said, if it's nice out, it's going to be tight. If uh, if it's sloppy out, then old Rochester is going to run away with this. Sam, yeah. So again, I I'm basing it on the current weather forecast. So I'd say you know kind of a, a two touchdown, twenty eight fourteen something like that in ORR's favor. Um, but again, I think. You know they've got to be using this time well to be getting ready when they do face those spread teams because it's you know it's coming down the pike at some point. I'm also picking old Rochester as you'll see in my uh, picks, which will come out a day early this week. We have to run our preview uh, in Thursday's yeah. paper because of all these Thursday games, which we are about to get into. So the first game of the week actually is uh, not winless. Wareham Vikings are now one and seven after beating Atlantis Charter twenty eight to seven last week. At 5 o'clock on Thursday, they'll be playing at Holbrook-Avon, which is 1-6. Both these teams' only wins of the season came against Atlanta's charter. Holbrook-Avon beat them 6 to nothing in the season opener. And obviously, Wareham last week, 28-7. to So, I mean, you look at those scores, you know, probably leaning towards Wareham in this one. Isaac Panero's kind of got it going recently. He's up to seven passing touchdowns on the season. He will be missing uh, probably his favorite target, one of his favorite targets, uh, Dominic LaBelle, who's out for the next couple of games. You know, but he's got Tyler King out there. Uh, he actually threw his first touchdown pass to Eric Zine. Yep. It'd be interesting they get him more involved in the passing game because um, the running game has kind of seemed to slow down the last few weeks. 
for the Vikings when uh, Zion was actually churning out some pretty good yards early in the season. Yeah, that's your guy, Sam, Zion. Yeah, no, I expect another big day out of him. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't know too much. I still have not seen Wareham. I don't know what they're running it out of, but it seems like, you know, Coach Cass likes to throw the ball around. So, again, playing on Thursday when the weather's not so bad, 5 p.m. start. Um, I think that they should, you know, have some success. Again, Holbrook, Avon, know nothing about them. So, just based on that common score, I'm going going Wareham. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Holbrook, Avon this year either, but I did see Wareham against Case, and that was right before the SEC title game. And as much as, you know, Case went in there probably thinking we have this, no questions asked, uh, Wareham did show some fight. And I think, I think Isaac Pinero has a lot of talent. I think he's just very raw. I mean, there were a lot of plays where he's throwing it and he's overthrowing guys by like five, seven, sometimes even ten yards, and, it's, and it's, he's launching it out of bounds. But he has a cannon, and he mm-hmm. can move around a little bit. So as long as he's – if he's on a hot streak, then, then I see no reason that, that Wareham doesn't run away with this fairly comfortably. It doesn't look like Holbrook's defense is going to put up much of a fight either. If you take out that shutout against Atlantis to open the season, they're giving up 42.5 points per game. Oof. Nice. Wow. So, uh, yeah, this might be, uh, I think, 28. 28 was the uh, Vikings' largest score of the season thus far. Yeah, you might want to pick up uh, or going a little higher this week. If you got Isaac Pinheiro in uh, fantasy, might yeah, be a exactly. good week to. Uh, or, or take the combined over yeah. on the score. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So, I, but looking at it, then that, I would assume that the season opener is a fairly accurate representation of what Holbrook is. Usually healthy. Yeah. So, if they're, if they're all there, I mean, it doesn't matter. I think. I, just looking at how they both did against Atlanta's charter, Wareham should win this, what, by two, three touchdowns fairly comfortably. And there are two teams who we can be confident were playing hard against Atlanta's charter. You know, oh, so yeah. We've seen some other teams go in there, like Coil and stuff, and kind of like, you know, play backups and stuff. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. don't think they quite have the luxury exactly. yet to uh, right. take a team like that lightly. Yeah, so we all, we all go in the Vikings? We're going Vikings. Yep. All right. So Thursday, also, Somerset Berkeley – is visiting Dartmouth. This one will be kind of interesting, kind of a you know a down season for the Indians, but kind of seeing where they might rate in the SEC. You know, obviously Dartmouth plays an incredibly grueling schedule, and uh, this is this you know with the Durfee game that they won are probably the two easiest games they have on the schedule right now. We don't know who they're going to play next well, week. Of Fairhaven, I think, will be yeah um, on Thanksgiving yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so far up so week far nine. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, I think um, so. I'll come out. I think Dartmouth's going to win. I think Dartmouth, if they can get kind of back on the same page, I think they got a really tough draw with that Milford uh, first week, you know, non-playoff qualifier. Milford's a really good team. Uh, they'll be playing New Bedford this week. Yeah, we're about to talk about you know, soon soon. So we, we'll save that. But, again, I think, you know, they were uh, – I think Dartmouth hung tough kind of early and then it just got away from them. But I think – and it's interesting because we've, we've often had this conversation of, again, like the power rankings come out when Buddy does his column and kind of like understanding that, you know – the rankings the paper does are against their like the level that they are playing at exactly. but because i often have seen dartmouth and and orr and it's just funny because it's the difference of 300 students and yet dartmouth plays you know uh i don't i don't know how i do multiples but like a much 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 more difficult schedule yep. than orr and again it's just based on the 300 students in the school and it's just interesting because i see somerset berkeley which is kind of you know maybe the third or fourth best team in the scc um and I think Dartmouth, you know, is is a is a better program who just play punched like has to play above their weight, and then some of that non conference stuff, 
you know, I, I think they might need to rethink that. Well, it's not always just because of the student body, too, Sam. Sometimes it's because teams perform exceptionally well. They'll, they'll make exceptions in sports. I'm not out of school saying that, right, Brendan? As far like as that, what division they're in? Yeah, because I've heard in years past where some schools... There's a lot of up. things that go into the formula. They take into account free and reduced school lunch kid numbers. Not that Dartmouth and Oral Rogers are probably affected that much by that, but, mm-hmm. you know, because there's statistics that say that, that kids, you know, from more impoverished backgrounds play sports at a lower rate. The vocational schools get a weird multiplier because historically they've had, um, especially for girls' sports, they've had less female athletes right. and vocational students play less. So it's a very complicated algorithm. Okay. You know, it's like Netflix telling you what you want to watch. Like, yeah. Don't try to figure it out. Netflix is pretty good at that. I got to give them credit. It, yeah. it does concern me at times, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, I, mean, I mean, I think Dartmouth is looking back at you know those seasons that they, you know, when they won a Super Bowl, they went 5-3 and three during the regular season. And they're saying like, hey, if we want to be that elite Super Bowl winning team, we got to go through some tough teams. We'll maybe lose to a few of them. And this year it's just kind of spiraled on them. But, I, yeah. but going back to the whole uh, them playing up a division, I think part of that is because they've had so much success in years past. Because I know at Westport with basketball, when my brother was there, they got moved up a division in basketball from where, where they were in baseball and all the other sports. Because they won, we won every single year in the conference and we were in the uh, at South Coast or was it the South sectional finals fairly often. Um, so I think that's part of why Dartmouth's there. But as much as that challenging schedule can help them out and be more prepared against an opponent that Somerset Berkeley, in reference to who they play, is a lesser opponent uh, throughout the course of the season, that could also knock them down a peg, too. And they could be concerned and think, you know, just doubting themselves. You have one win on the year. This is a team that you usually beat. So it could it could mess with their heads a little bit. I mean, it could it could rattle them going into this where they're just not prepared. And that's not a knock on Rick White. It's just sometimes that happens with kids. I mean, I know that I you deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, these non-playoff uh, games, I think it does really come down to how the kids are approaching it because it can mm-hmm. either be a chance to redeem your season or you can feel like you're not up for playing because the expectations were so high you know, or somewhere in the middle or just get a really tough draw and end up playing a, a really good team who, for whatever reason, is like Milford last week. Like Milford is a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, no, I think Dartmouth, they weren't really able to get their confidence. I don't know what kind of health they're coming into it, but... It, my only point was, I think Dartmouth, and again, they're playing a Division Four, and then they they choose their own non-conference schedule. ORR, ha- you Which know, is much larger, of course. Or Rochester yeah. has many less games to choose. Right, right, yeah. right. Because it's, it's you know the three-team OCL versus the however seventeen-team SCC or whatever. It's you know it's just gotten really really big. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have any you know non-conference games. So I, I understand you know that's the way it works out. But to me, like when I've watched Dartmouth and I've watched ORR, I would I would agree that ORR is a better team, mm-hmm. but I think Dartmouth, even this year's version of Dartmouth, would play with ORR. I don't think that would be a blowout. Wow. That's, It'd be interesting. That's an interesting take. Even last year's team, I would say Dartmouth would have probably beat all Rochester, but the defense doesn't seem the same this year. Yeah. Like, that's something you've always been able to count on from Dartmouth. It's mm-hmm. like, no matter what, you know, even when they had some injuries on the offense or it wasn't going as smoothly... The defense was – I mean, you look at last year's score against Somerset Berkeley, and last year's Somerset Berkeley team put up a lot of points with Chase Stafford at quarterback, and it was a 19 nothing game. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was after Dartmouth got knocked out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, so Rick White had him playing hard in that game. But they look at it this year, they've given up at least 30 points in four straight games. That's huge. And, Sam, you brought up a point, too, you know, like these kids, who has more to gain from this? And it's a, which side? And as much as Dartmouth, you know, for pride, whatever, you know, not finish the year with one win – 
I think Somerset Berkeley has more to gain going into this one because the, I feel like every year Dartmouth is I feel like Somerset Berkeley is Dartmouth's little brother every single year. I mean, we saw it in the, po- the playoffs a couple years back, right? They won back-to-back years, I think it was, against Somerset oh, Berkeley. Yeah. I remember that. So there's that. Then they win against them last year. So I think it's three years in a row, maybe three out of the last four that they've played. Dartmouth's won, and they've won fairly comfortably. So now they have their chance when Dartmouth's down to get some payback. That's why I'm going with Somerset Berkeley and not Dartmouth in this one. Mm-hmm. We'll be interested, too, because remember, Somerset Berkeley lost to Aponiquit. Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, just you know, there's another kind of score to factor in in your, uh, you know, because you mentioned earlier, Somerset Berkeley is the third or fourth best team in the SEC. They may have been the fifth best team in the SEC this year because mm-hmm. you figure Old Rochester and DR were the best two, and then you put Case in there, mm-hmm. and, and then, then you're and then they Aponiquit, lost to Aponiquit, yep. you know, and then Bourne was actually pretty good this year. Bourne beat Aponiquit, but so. second no second time around, Aponiquit beat up on Bourne when they did the crossover game. Aponiquit like worked Bourne. I thought it was the other way around. 42 to like 19, lost to Bourne. Mm. Or am I thinking of Fairhaven? That's probably Fairhaven. I'm thinking of Fairhaven losing yeah. to Bourne. All right. We won't edit that out, but if we were more professional, we would. That's fine. All right. So another. So who, who are you picking, are you oh, picking yeah, yeah, Brandon? We've got to go through the picks here. Um, I, I am picking Dartmouth. Okay. And I'm yeah. going with Somerset I got Dartmouth. Okay. All right. We got one different here. Yes. Nick going with the Raiders. It took like the entire podcast for that to happen last time. <laughs> Except when so, you took uh, Vogue Tech. Perfect uh, transition, transition here. Our next Thursday game, Bristol-Plymouth at Greater New Bedford Vogue Tech. This has been moved to 7 o'clock on Thursday. I should note, all the times we're giving are as of 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. Some of these games have been moving around, so it's possible some of them change. We recorded last week, and Old Colony ended up moving its game yep. uh, from Saturday to Friday night. So Read the paper kind of on a Thursday. disclaimer there, yeah. exactly. Or it's a fluid, uh, at it's a fluid situation. Varsity on Twitter. Do yep. both. All right, so uh, so BP is playing at Vogue Tech, a couple of two and six teams. Um, one of Bristol Plymouth's wins though was a forfeit, so it's really really kind of a one win team. Uh, their other win was a fourteen nothing win over Old Colony. Wait, 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 where's the forfeit? No, I'm not. I'm, oh, I forget which team they played. Okay, I, was, I didn't know why you said it's always a forfeit. That's why I, I would count confused. a forfeit as a win. Okay, I'm of that school. If it's on your, if it's in the wins column, I'm trying to remember who they, who I was looking at earlier this morning, and I don't remember who the forfeit was. Well, I just didn't. You said it was. I I, never mind. It's fine. But the old colony one, I think, is is very important. And and this isn't to knock old colony. I mean, it was it was a fourteen nothing win over old colony for Bristol Plymouth. It was. So, if if Bristol Plymouth is old colony had a good defense this year, no questions asked. Mendy's knows what he's doing over there, but. If that's how tight the score is, then I gotta feel like Volk, who's a substantially bigger school, faces some some stiffer competition. As much as Sandwich was not good this year, right? We talked about that last time. They were not good. Yeah, this but year. It, and this kind of gets into that. It's all levels, right? Yeah. Sandwich is playing Falmouth. They're playing teams that are like making pushes in the playoffs. Where Bristol Plymouth is like a Mayflower school. That's I think they you know they got they whooped actually. Up. But the thing is, so that was interesting because they do play a pretty tough schedule for a Mayflower team. They play probably one of the toughest. They play Coil, Diamond, you know. They, yeah, so they're a team that probably that that they were winless going into that Old Colony game. And I think Old Colony was it was either three and one or four and one at that point. Mm. Yeah. So you know that was one where if you had just looked at the records, you would have been like, oh, four and one Old Colony, whatever they were, zero oh and five yeah. or zero oh and four Bristol Plymouth at the time. Exactly what you're saying with the sandwich invoked tech mm-hmm. game last. But week. I agree with Nick that this game. I think is a lot closer than yes. last week's against Sandwich. Because, it should be a good game. You know, I think, think this will be a nice... evenly match, I think. You and think so? We, I, I don't think so. I think Vogue's going to run away with this. I just think if they had that much trouble Vogue scoring... Vogue really has... 
the firepower right now offensively because I don't know if Ethan Almeida is playing, but it he sounds like played since he got Dana hurt. Haywood. And again, I hope the Bristol Plymouth coaches and neither don't has, um, kick the other to Dana back. Haywood. I think three <laughs> of their last four touchdowns have been on Dana Haywood kickoff returns. So again, don't kick to Dana Haywood. On Brendan Curie's fantasy team, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another reason why not. <laughs> but again, I, they've got some weapons, but I don't know if Ethan Almeida is playing. And I think this has to be kind of a defensive battle. But and they again. haven't had Jaden Barrows for a couple weeks too. Mm-hmm. Although uh, they've been getting some good things out of Cacho as a running back. Yeah, but I think they can. I think Volk can very much win this game. But I don't see any team. I think this is kind of these teams are very much on the same uh, level. Okay, they haven't played each other since 2012. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I don't know if you can read too much into uh, Volk Tech's 14 to seven win back in September of 2012. A couple of personnel changes since well, then. I've been going solely based on that. <laughs> Got like a seventh year senior that was. Uh... Now BP did get a couple of touchdown passes last week. Their quarterback is Roman Barros. Uh, he had a Thomas Smith and Marcus Pitsley for uh, pretty 58 yards and 22 yard touchdown passes, and they led 14 to six at the half uh, against South Shore, but then ended up coughing up that lead. Losing twenty to fourteen, they've only scored more than one touchdown three times in a game this season. Then again, Vokes only done that four times. Okay, I, their average scores are pretty similar too. I like uh, this. I like this game. BP is twenty. BP's average loss is twenty four to seven. Voketech's average loss is thirty to twelve. I I I think Voketech's gonna win this comfortably. I don't I I don't know why. I just a gut feeling. I guess maybe it's because of the the win in twenty twelve. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Yeah. No, I like Voke in this, but I just think it's gonna be they're gonna earn it, and I think it's gonna be pretty close. I Voke is this. I did my picks earlier this morning. I'm trying to remember. I think I had it as a two point game or a one point game. I had it as a very close game with Voke uh, merging with the victory. Hey, in twenty twelve, were you in Wyoming still? Twenty twelve, I would have been in Minnesota. You were in Minnesota. Wow. Yes. I, Okay. Stopover between Wyoming and here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. 2012, I think I would have been covering Bethlehem Academy going to the uh, state championship at the Metrodome. Really? Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good team. A really good team. All right. So those are our Thursday games. We're going on to Friday. Uh, we mentioned this team earlier. Milford is coming to town to play New Bedford. This game is going to be at 6 o'clock at McCoy Field. That's the turf field for New Bedford. Uh, Milford's 4-4 four and four and has won four in a row. New Bedford, 3-5, and five, coming off that tough loss to Natick last week. They were up 12-0, and they couldn't hold on and lost 21-12. to Milford, obviously, coming off the 42-6 to win over Dartmouth. So you saw New Bedford last week. Yeah. My big question with New Bedford is they're a team – Sam kind of mentioned this earlier about, like, what teams do when they get into the non-playoff schedule. And I also think there's another wrinkle. Like, if you were a playoff team and then you get knocked into the non-playoffs. Yep. I think it's a little different mentally than if you just go straight into the non-playoff games. Mm -hmm. That definitely makes a huge difference. And, look, New Bedford, in terms of talent, it is 100% there. As much as they didn't have – it was Baron Hilton that they didn't have last week – as much as they didn't have him, we, do, you, do you know if they have him? I don't no, know his status. I think him. it's hopeful that maybe like uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, but I, you know, I think he's dealing with a pretty pretty significant leg injury. There you go. So not having him is huge, but there is definitely a talent there. I mean, True looked awesome last game, and there were some mistakes here and there. Um, they the, And the thing that happened to New Bedford that killed them, and I, I believe I mentioned it in the story, was they scored a third touchdown. But there was a holding call against them, and I believe it wasn't to Moniz. Who was the touchdown uh, to? I think it was Shahid. Barrett. It was Shahid. It was Shahid. And 
he found Shahid right in the middle of the end zone on a fourth down. They, that would have been their second touchdown on a fourth down in that game. Holding penalties called. Coach DeBrito is losing on the sideline. I think understandably so. I was kind of more focused on the ball. But they make that call. And then right when that happened, obviously the ball goes right back to Natick and everything changed right there. I think it would have been, what, it would have been 18 to maybe 7 at that point or it would have been 18 nothing. It would have been all over. They, they, they were in complete control. And New Bedford, I think, let that get to their heads. And I understand it's frustrating, it's tough. Um, but coming into this game, when you bring up how you go from the postseason to a non-playoff game, I, I, I question how well New Bedford can respond, especially with how Milford did last week. Yeah, mental toughness has kind of been their Achilles heel a lot of times in recent years. Yeah, I mean, but right now, I mean, they're playing for, and there was a lot put on this class, this senior class, because um, a lot of them have been playing since their sophomore year. And they still, you know, within their grasp is a, is a winning season. And I think mm-hmm. that would mean a lot. And hopefully, you know, after what happened last year where it did kind of, it felt like uh, expectations got a little high. Things didn't turn out their, their they way and they kind of, the you know, and it, and it cratered. And so it would be nice to see them kind of bounce back, uh, you know, and because and, to say, you know, you had a winning record playing the, the, um, the schedule they play is, you know, you can kind of hang your hat on that. Um, so, I'd, you know, I'd love to see them kind of, come out on fire and, and Milford's tough I watched you know saw a little bit of them earlier in the season and you know their quarterback can really throw the ball and they've got a really good and he uh, ran for over 100 yards against Dartmouth oh boy yeah he can move a little bit so but again the athletes that New Bedford has on the defensive side like defense they've been pretty darn good and I don't think Milford plays too many like cornerback combos like Jeremy DeCruz and uh, Shahid Barros so you know it seemed like they've, they go to this Brendan White their wide receiver quite a bit um, but I think they're not going to have as easy of a time as a team um, against uh, a secondary that has the athletes New Bedford has. But again, I think a lot of it's going to be won and lost between you know during this week of practice. That was the other thing in the in the Natick game too that was important. There was I can remember one turnover specifically for New Bedford. I feel like Natick had really really good field position twice in that game, and they scored both times. And I, I mean, just goes to what Sam was saying about the athletes on New Bedford they, on both sides of the ball. Their athleticism is not the issue. They have plenty of talent. It's just letting little things not manifest themselves into major issues. And if they can do that, then they can. I think they can hang with anybody. I mean, True Williams. I can't say it enough. It's not just because he's my first round pick in the <laughs> uh, fantasy draft. I mean, he's one of the most. He might be the most physically gifted athlete in uh, in the teams that we cover. I, I, I stand by that. He's definitely up there. The answer to that question might actually be the guy they're missing in Baron Hilton. That's yeah. true. But we should also mention that True Williams is going looking to make a little history on Friday night. He right now is tied for the most uh, career touchdown passes in New Bedford high history with 28 with Todd Soares, who you may remember. Um, his, his actually daughters now have been very good athletes uh, at Votech. And, uh, anyway, so they tied at 28. So I'm, I'm sure he's going to get the record. You know, The question is, does he get it on Friday night against Milford? Yeah, and the weather yeah. would probably be a factor here. One thing I would like to see New Bedford do, though, is like win a game. Yeah, I did see them in a terrible weather game oh, against Bridgewater right. Raynham last year, yeah. and it just went downhill in a hurry when they couldn't yeah. get the passing game. And I saw yeah. them against – Now, they do have a better running game this year yeah. than they did last year. And it might have been the same week last season I saw them because they were playing on the the uh, McCoy uh, – so not – yeah, is this, is this one at McCoy? Yep, this on the turf. Yes, this one's on the turf. Yeah, so I saw one last week on the turf. Last year, I should say – Because I was on the road. Newton North. And it was – but, again, it was just, you know, not great conditions to be throwing the ball. And I want to see New Bedford win a game ugly. Like, True Williams, 18 to 20 carries. Latrell Canto, like, move the chains, grind it out, you know – 
some you know long uh, screen passes that maybe act like you know sweeps, but just win it win it kind of ugly because I think that that might be what they're facing on uh, Friday night. Do do they have a press box? They have a, a pretty good press box. Yeah, it's really nice very comfortable. Box, yeah. Okay, I know they do it the other one. Okay, good. I was a little concerned. Because they don't have a press box, old Rochester. Yeah, you are. Wah, wah. You did it to yourself. I know. Yeah. I and, oh, it's very comfortable we'll watching on the turf, I think. Yeah. This. Now, the only, and, now, and they're able to do this one, too, because it's not really a rivalry. One of the concerns they often have playing that field is there's no opposing side bleachers. Mm. Yeah. They don't like mixing the fan bases. Uh, but against Milford, I don't think you're going to run into yeah, I don't too think, much chippiness. I don't think you'll have any um, issues. So let's, let's make some picks here. I actually picked Milford in this one, mostly kind of looking at the Dartmouth scores, 42-6 to six versus 30-12. to 12. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, when I'm picking New Bedford, I'm picking, picking with my heart, not with my head, maybe. But uh, New Bedford and 20 carries for True Williams. That's what I'm going for. I want to pick New Bedford. Not just because I'm going to be covering the game on Friday, but because I think that they, there's so much talent there and they could be so much more than they are right now. But you raise a good point, Brendan. I, you got to go with Milford based on the numbers against Dartmouth. All right. So the next 6 o'clock game on Friday is Fairhaven going on the road to play Sandwich. We talked about earlier, Sandwich uh, beat Vogue Tech 27-8 last week. Fairhaven uh, was able to snap a four-game losing streak, beat Martha's Vineyard 19-16, to Last week, both of those were in non-playoff action. Uh, now, you can also play the score game even further. Fairhaven beat Voketech 19-13 to earlier this year. Um, so, you know, Fairhaven's probably a little bit better, but they're, you know, not on entirely different levels here. Um, you know, Fairhaven still got that running game going, and then they got Brady Bennett back. And uh, he only played a little bit last week, uh, but he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Um, so we'll probably see even more of him this week. And then they just kind of still got Zach Giat and Owen Sabula, you know, running for a lot of yards. I think this is going to be a tight one. I, th- I think I don't want to send my pick right yet, but I think this one will be a, a very close one based on the scores that you're talking about. Um, and the fact that they played last year too, I think is huge because now Sandwich has an idea. They will have an idea going into this. We don't know how many guys Sandwich graduated from last year. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but they, I mean, I know that they're one in six, but Sam raised the point too about their, their schedule can be a bit more challenging. And I, I mean, is Sandwich, they're usually a good team, right? Um, I don't know a ton about sandwich football. Okay, I thought for some reason, but I know you know they play they play a decent you know level of competition. Okay, because I'm just thinking if they're usually good, I'm trying to apply that same that same rule to Dartmouth. But if they got a little momentum going, got that one win, um, I would think that they're going to be going into this one against Fairhaven with with the right mentality. Is kind of what I'm getting. Yeah, I think they're hungry. I think because again, like if you're on an 0 and 6 team, the you know the chatter in school. Like kind of the looks you get from the you know your classmates and stuff. Like you want to show people that hey we're like we're doing something here on the practice field. We're working hard. So I think the sandwich team is going to come out hungry. And again, I'm looking at that you know Fairhaven kind of you, you beat Martha's Vineyard, but not handily. Martha's Vineyard's a team that Voke Tech beat. Um, you know Fairhaven beat Voke earlier in the season. It was like the first game of the season, so you can't take a, a huge amount from that. Um, but I, I think sandwich is going to win this pretty pretty comfortably. Now, they did meet last year in the non-playoff section, portion of the schedule, and the Blue Devils did win 28-13, to oh, despite trailing 7-2 to two in the second half. Mm-hmm. So who are you guys going with? And Zach Giat was big in that game, 110 rushing yards. So I, I like Sandwich just because I haven't seen enough out of Fairhaven, but I hope maybe they can get something going with Brady Bennett. And that score, you know, that's pretty heartening for them. I'm, they, go, I'm going Sandwich, but I think it's going to be close. And I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm kind of 55-45 sandwich here. You know, I have – I'm having – at first I was thinking sandwich, but the more and more I look at your, this write-up that you have here, Brendan, the more I think Fairhaven's going to win it. 
And since you both are going with sandwich, I'm going with Fairhaven. I got you guys. All right. Nice. Interesting week of picks here. So, another <laughs> 6 o'clock game on Friday. Poniquit Lakers coming off that tough loss to Dedham in the playoffs. Uh, we'll be playing at Cardinal Spellman. The Lakers are 4-4. Four and four. Cardinal Spellman's 3-5. and five. Coming off a big win, 45-18 to 18 over Bellingham. Uh, these are two teams that have not don't have a history of playing each other. Um, but they did share a common opponent in Middleborough. Middleborough beat Aponiquit 18-14 to 14 in week one, while Cardinal Spellman beat Middleborough 20-7 to 7 in week three. Okay. Why is Middleborough not in the SEC? I feel like that they could, they could fit right in. They would. They, yeah, they, that, would, that would be logical. Yeah. It's a, a super I don't know. The SEC needs to get more complicated with more teams. Though. Bring them in. Bring in maybe Dartmouth. I mean, I know there's other things going on with Dartmouth, but I mean like that. Yeah. That, uh, seems like that's going to be uh, New Bedford, uh, the big three plus – Plus Dartmouth and BR next year. I, I that just that seems kind of. I mean, it makes sense for some sports, but for others, I don't think it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. But anyways, it's not what we're talking about today. Yeah, Stang's gonna be looking for a league soon too. Oh right, because Coil. It's just them. It's a little Coyle. different because they're parochial, but uh, you know, EAC's down to three teams, and but they play with Martha's Vineyard, and they're. Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't matter. I don't know. That would be. You bring in Stang. You bring in Middleborough. And again, the SEC got very complicated going from nine to ten teams. I don't know if they're ready to make the leap to twelve until they've yeah. fully figured out this whole ten team thing. Yeah, who would you move to? Two the divisions small? and yeah. You wouldn't, would you put Stang in the small? I mean, you, you I'd have to look at the enrollment numbers. But I mean, but that still wouldn't make. A ton I don't know of sense. what the smallest team in the large is. It might be Poniquid. I don't know. Really. I don't know. I'd have to look. I feel yeah. like Stang has a smaller enrollment than a Yeah, but they're does. parochial, so they're, like when yeah. we're talking about that multiplier, they always have to play up because you yep. can, you know. Exactly. So even who, whoever you, you would stick into that small, it just it wouldn't be fair. But anyways, uh, I, we digress. Um, go Looking at this one, uh, I think Cardinal Spellman has, I mean, just looking at the Mil- Middleborough matchup, I know the thing is that it's hard to read into that week one matchup every single time. I know I, mm. with Holbrook, I did, but based on their, the way their season trended and their numbers, it's. I think it's a fair representation of what they did. That was the, what the Atlantis Charter game, right? Yep. Um, but when I look at the when I look at Aponiquits, I, I don't necessarily think that's an accurate representation of who this team is in, in a positive way. I think that they made improvements over the season, um, and obviously making it to the postseason. After what was the score last week? Lost by twenty to Dedham. I think after going through that, I think that where where some teams were talking about having the postseason and they don't necessarily respond well after the loss, I would think a Poniquit would be the inverse where they they took that loss, they're a little upset about it, and they're going to bounce back this week. Yeah, and they're a young group. I think that kind of plays into exactly that point. They're you know junior and sophomore heavy. So um, I think a Poniquit. And, that, and Poniquit's also kind of found their identity from the week one because I thought after seeing them play last year, they were really like throwing the ball a ton and kind of rolling out uh, Chase Gorman to his right and left. And now it feels like they found their identity on the ground. Um, so, again, that helped, you know, tough weather. I think that'll help. And also being really hungry. And I think, you know, to them to, to get that fifth win um, would mean, mean yeah, quite a bit. They need to win this week and next week if they want to finish over 500. Because we can just say they're not going to beat Old Rochester unless Old Rochester's yeah. heading into a Super Bowl, wants to play that their JVs. That's yeah. happened. They're, they're but we, we don't need a. That's a. But they also uh, so Old Rochester also is a weird situation where they're going to have a week off between Thanksgiving and the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, so then they would probably because take it a they are more not going to have a state semifinal game because of the way Division Six works. There's no West team. Mm. Uh, oh, so the North plays the Central in one semifinal, and Old Rochester gets a bye. Yeah, really. Yeah, so Old Rochester only needs to win two more games to make it to. Gillette. Wow, I did not know that. 
Um, but looking at the average score per per uh, per game too, Brandon, that you had for us, uh, was it Aponiqua averaged nineteen points and allowed twenty two point eight per game, and then Cardinal Spellman was was it? They scored Basically, they're 20. scoring the, they're both scoring twenty points a game. Yeah, but Cardinal Spellman's given up thirty, and Aponiqua's only given up twenty three. But you had to look at who they're, they're playing. Does, does anyone know if Shane Cooney's playing? I do not believe Shane Cooney's playing. Oh. I, I would think looking at this one, it's going to be... From what I hear, I don't think we're going to be seeing Shane Cooney again this season. Ooh, breaking news. Um, the, the Schefter of the South Coast. I don't... Uh, I would think this one's going to end up being a, a like coin toss contest. I really do. So is that your pick? A coin toss? Uh, no, that... Would you like to toss, uh, <laughs> toss your coin right now? I'm going here's to... A, here's a fence, Nick. Uh, I'm you going got one to, foot on one side <laughs> and one on the other. I'm going to elect to receive and make the first pick You're in this one. You're going to defer to next week. And, <laughs> and I am going to pick... Cardinal Spellman. All right, Lakers. Nice. We're finding some. Yeah, there we go. Some and I went Cardinal here. Spellman. Uh, you know, I love to play my scores game. And those those Middleborough games only being week one. And th- I get what you're saying about week one. And if it was like week one and week seven, I probably would count it less. But week one and week three are pretty close together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good point. I'm just going to play that score game there and go with uh, the Cardinals of Cardinal Spellman. So Bishop Stang at Norwell is a seven o'clock game on Friday as of right now. Uh, Spartans have lost four in a row. A lot of those, a couple of those, have been some hard, tough losses. The Coil loss, the OR loss, Cohasset. Nor- yeah, Cohasset. Oh, you know, the score didn't look as close, but uh-huh. uh, uh, Norwell's three and four. Uh, Norwell's coming off. Both these teams were in the playoffs in the Division Six South playoffs. Norwell lost to Medway twenty-five to sixteen. Of course, Stang lost twenty-seven twenty-two to ORR. They don't have a history of playing each other. Haven't played since at least two thousand ten. Norwell, they fell behind eighteen nothing last week, and they made it a game. You know, so it sounds like they uh, they have a little bit of tenacity. Uh, they're not going to lie down, so I'm guessing they won't this week. And uh, it seems like their uh, their quarterback Ben Bostrom uh, is a pretty good two way player. Uh, made a touchdown pass last week and had fourteen tackles on defense. That's old school. I love that when the quarterbacks play defense. That's awesome. Pretty rare. Speaking of that, uh, Justin Lopes that had any. a big. Oh yeah, Lopes plays. had a big yep, stop. Doesn't defense. start, but you know they needed. Yep, they were, were kind of hurt, and he came in. He had a great, uh, you know, cause fumble. They recovered. Um, and again, Bishop Stang. Hats off to Bishop Stang. Like I was super impressed with their effort last week. Uh, old Colony, by the way. I was trying to think. I'm just going through my head of oh. the other Matt Bump, uh, Kyle Scholes, or Matt Bump, who was playing quarterback. Yep. Also plays defense for them. Yeah, but uh, Bishop Stang just you know. Definitely giving up a whole bunch of size and that really tough uh, ORR attack where it's just, you know, getting, you know, run down your throat every single play. You saw I was really impressed. Jake uh, Ferrarini was taking on Dylan DeWolf and Des Diaz and just cutting him at the knees, creating a pile. And again, Jake Ferrarini, I mean, couldn't be more than 5'7", five, 5'8", five, you know, 100. And, I, I don't have the roster in front of me. I don't want to, you know, you know, short you any inches, Jake, if you're <laughs> listening. But just like a tough effort joe paolo doug chica uh logan Briarly, uh these guys just played their hearts out and again this is when it's like the record doesn't matter so much they're they're playing some teams that are just have a little more numbers a little more size so again i know nothing about norwell but just based on bishop stang's effort and i don't think they'll be hurt as much if they can't throw the ball you know they kind of got that jet sweep that read option stuff going so i'm, I'm picking i'm picking bishop stang yeah, after what they did last week, you know, that in what they've been dealing with over the past few games, there's no way that they come out of this with a loss. I, I just look at this team, and they have, like, they're have they another very talented team. Um, obviously, Justin Lopes is right there as one of the best athletes uh, in the area on the football field. 
I can't imagine them not coming out with a win here and, um, you know, ending this skid. Because at some point, there's going to be someone in that locker room saying, guys, we are way better than this. Look, we know, like Sam, I know nothing about Norwell. So if the size is an advantage, you know, that could be a problem. It was a problem against Fian and obviously with old Rochester. But I just... I think that the talent will carry them through this one, and there's less pressure too. As much as they they need to win and, and, and need to snap this skid, whatever happens in this game, it's all about pride. It's not about postseason stuff. So there's no, there, there really isn't any reason to be nervous other than I guess your own general nerves or whatever. And they always play hard for Dennis Golden. I mean, he's kind of a good yep. inspirational coach yep. who can kind of you know get you to play with that fire in your belly. The Stang is also averaging about ten more points a game. Than Norwell is this season, uh, so while their their defenses are fairly similar, uh, uh, Stang's given up twenty three a game. Uh, Norwell's given up twenty. The offense is probably was going to make the difference in this one, and I'm yeah. going to go Spartans. Yeah, and the team we left off. So we said Coyle, which was a really hard fought, kind of down to the last second. Yep. But then they went to Cohasset, who's still playing in the playoffs. Yep. I know it's Fien. Division Seven. Fian, who lost narrowly to like Hingham in Division Three, and then uh, Orr, who's still playing. It's been a tough. Undefeated. It's been a gauntlet I mean, of games here for sure. I, I was playing. trying to specifically mention the the really close ones. Oh sure, but I'm just because yeah. I was even just doing that in my head. I was like, who's that other team that lost? Oh yeah, yeah Fian, Fien, who's yeah. one of the better teams that you know we've seen and they, locally. And they, and they had a bad start, and then they played Fian pretty closely for. For the yeah. next two and a half quarters. in the EAC too. I forgot about them. Yeah, the, yeah I, I totally forgot. About so them. I, I'm looking for, uh, you know, wow. hearing about this. I don't one think we want the Fian joining the SEC though. That no, that would no, 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 big no, disparity no. there. No, yeah. no, no, and that's always the bad part. So if you're a parochial school and you enter a public school league, then you're in limbo because how good can you really get until the teams are looking around and saying like, well, our basketball teams lose by 40 points to Bishop Stang because they have kids from Wareham and Fall River and Dartmouth and New Bedford and mm-hmm. like at some point those schools. Like it's just a delicate balance for parochial schools because you almost have this. If you enter a public school league, you have a natural cap where you kind of have to keep the parity, or teams are looking at you sideways, saying. On a tangent here, I wonder if school choice is changing that a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. now some of the public schools can do not exactly the same things, but it's getting a little similar. I mean, a lot of kids go to Dartmouth, a lot of kids go to Old Rochester um, through school choice from from Wareham, from Westport. From Don't New Bedford, me. Don't. you know. Yeah, it would be interesting to be a fly on a wall for some of those SEC coaches meetings or league yeah. meetings where you know Wareham's looking and saying, "Hey, ORR, you're, you know, you got five guys starting that <laughs> were previously enrolled at uh, Wareham High School." So, you know, it's it uh, is interesting, yeah. but it's definitely definitely a tangent yeah. and maybe. I am not a fan of that. But at it all. does feel like this is proliferating. You know, again, I know get out and vote next week and all that, but you know, it feels like all these school choice initiatives are affecting the the landscape of uh, high school sports. Yeah, I mean, and that's the only reason that I like. Other than that, I'd have no problem with the school of choice stuff. I, but I would just say, some of them, why don't you just merge and just make a one gigantic school? Yeah, like and Dartmouth, play, a, play a Division One schedule. or something. Like Dartmouth and Westport, as much as I, I hated that idea growing up as a kid, being from Westport, it just now it makes more sense because you're just you're coaching these eighth grade kids at the schools and they're talented. And then they go and leave. You're and then and a pipeline. What? You're becoming a pipeline. You're, yeah, you're becoming the AAA team, and I hate seeing yeah. Westport like that because I because you know what? Back when we played, in some of the sports we could hang with Dartmouth. They may not, they won't say it, but we had some athletes who could hang with them. So they can say what they want, but I, I hate seeing that now. But then you've got athletes who then use Dartmouth yeah. as a you've stepping stone up here. It yeah, uses a stepping Tabor. stone that's for even, Tabor, that's so even it's like worse. I mean, that, it's all. No uh, him, but that's I. I no, don't don't worry. I, I mean, I like some. I, don't get me wrong. There's some great Tabor offers some great things for kids, and I'm not here to bash them. I just 
there's something about playing for your town that as a kid, like I, when I got the chance to wear that W for Westport, like I, I, like there was Scott Borges before me, Alan Leverall, Kyle Fernandes, all those guys. Tyler White was right there at the start of my career. Seeing those guys before me, it was just like, you know, I want to be like them. I want to wear the W. It was like the Red Sox for me. And then you go and take that away from kids. They go to, or they decide to go somewhere else. I don't know. I just take pride in playing for your hometown. I just, so that, this kind of stuff, I get very, Triggered on it, I guess. For yeah, like a yeah. Nick, the nationalist over here. Well, <laughs> not not the globalist. No, no, no. I, I I understand what Nick's saying, and I agree in a lot of ways. Again, like you can't fault a kid for going after their best op, what they think is the best opportunity to get them to the next level. Um, but it's just it's a, it's an interesting dynamic that I think is going to be a fluid situation to watch. And I think, again, a, being blown out on the football field just physically feels very different than you know taking a tough loss in basketball. You know, in other- so I think that especially when it comes to football, it's something that is going to have to because again the, what i didn't understand is like a multiplier so if orr is going to be division six and yet they're pulling the best football players from wareham so yeah. again wareham's a popular like i know it's a small school but if you add those 500 students to the total population of orr rather than just saying oh well we're just adding five kids mm-hmm. not really you're adding the five best football players that a 500 of a 500 um, student school school has produced to your, you should really probably be playing a division three schedule Mm -hmm. or division four. But again, that's, I'm just I'm just talking off the cuff, but it's an interesting thought to it is. move forward. And the other thing too, and I I know we gotta move on to the last game, Old Colony. I haven't forgot you guys, I promise. But oh. like when <laughs> Nick I never forgets Old Colony. When I like I, I get that you go to Tabor and there's like it's easier I, to move on to a school like a better school athletically in college. No doubt in that. But guess what? I mean, you know where I went, Brandon. I mean I went to I, for those who don't know, I played baseball at Northwestern out of Westport. You had Kyle Fernandez again who played for the Red Sox minor leagues and at Leverall, who, who played. If you're good, they'll find yeah, it, you. Well, the, you, it's not just that. you got to put in some work, and it's hard. And guess what? I had parents who knew nothing about the process, but we researched it. Mainly my parents researched it. And then guess what? My brother played Division One as well. And, yeah, we had definitely had dealt with adversity playing at Westport and then going to Division One baseball schedules. But we eventually figured it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I it's – so I just think – played at Sacred Heart. Exactly, yeah. He played at Sacred Heart. And, and by the end of our careers, I played on the Cape for – a very short bit. Jake had a chance to play on the Cape before he hurt his arm. So it's like we did it. And, and there were other guys that could have done it too. Chris Rosa, who was on Buddy's, we had 10 guys, the top 10 guys in Buddy's baseball list uh, was it four Westport guys. So they're there. I mean, and Rosa could have been a Division One guy too. So I just, I'm, I'm, I have said my piece for now, but yeah. that's just where I stand on this. Nice. We'll have a round I, table. I, I I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> So that would, that we do have one more game left. If you're still with Saturday, us, if you're still with us, they're definitely still with us after all that. Our, oh, 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 I, th- I think I think that this is some good. Uh, our OC diehards, our uh, OC diehards. Yeah. Yes. So Old Colony is hosting aforementioned Atlantis Charter. Owen uh, Seven uh, has gotten a couple of teams their only win this season. Old Colony is not in that situation, but they are at four and four after starting the season four and one. So uh, kind of looking to, to bounce back a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Been a tough stretch for him. Back-to-back losses to Upper Cape the last two weeks. The last one was a 17-7 to loss in the playoffs last week. Uh, meanwhile, Lance Charter lost 28-7 to to Wareham. Uh, these two teams have never met, but that's not that hard because Lance has only played, um, what are we going to say here, 18 games in its entire history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or maybe even 17 games, depending on if they had a bye last year. So... 
this may be the perfect elixir for the Cougars to kind of get back in the win column here. I think this kind of goes back, and I'm sorry if I'm still in your, your point here, Sam, but you said earlier how with who is it, Holbrook and Wareham, right? Those were their only two only wins of the year. Yeah. So they were playing their absolute best for sure against Atlanta Charter. At least they mm-hmm. were trying to. I'm sure with Old Colony, if Old Colony was maybe five and five and two or something like you know a comfortably good season, then this could be a trap game for them. But I think since they've they're on a bit of a skid, they're going to go in here and say. We're going to beat these guys in the first half, and then we will roll out our JV squad. We're not messing around. We need to go and have a big offensive game. And I know that's been a problem for them throughout the season, but their defense has not been a problem. 17 points last week is the most they've allowed all year. So I wouldn't be stunned if Atlantis Charter ends up scoring seven, six, maybe even zero in this game. And I'm not trying to knock them. It's just that I think it is the perfect storm for Old Colony and the exact opposite for Atlantis Charter. Yeah, I think if Atlantis Charter does score, it's, it's a garbage time touchdown yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I like Old Colony here, and I'm thinking 2 p.m. on Saturday, the Tabor, again, shout out Tabor, we're playing a game, a winnable game against St. George's on Friday afternoon, 2.45, kind of fun if nobody has anything in the afternoon. So I will be available on Saturday before the Michigan-Penn State game kicks at 3.45, and I'm thinking, I want to check out Atlantis Charter, a.k.a. Atlantic Christian, <laughs> and see, but Buddy Thomas doesn't quite understand what charter schools are, so he just figures they have to be parochial. But Buddy's been calling them the latest Christian. I'm curious to see. Uh, what he also refuses right. to admit that uh, Berkeley has combined with Somerset just, and still just calls it Somerset on every reference. Okay, cool. Well, Man, old, so old habits die hard, and yeah. I want to see what this Atlantis charter is up to because I'm I'm just curious. Like I have no idea, but to go zero and seven, yeah, trying to build a team to go winless. Yeah. Remember um, what was it? Uh, Georgia State. Remember when they started their college program? Oh, they were bad. Yeah, and you. But I'm just curious to see what's going I on. I respect what they're doing over there, though. It's not easy. It's and it's a different situation. And th- that would be a new beast if you had charters because I don't think around here. I know elsewhere, but not like around here, up in charter- Boston and stuff, there's some that are decent. Yeah, but so, not around here. So charter yeah. schools really Most don't of them don't even have sports. Or, don't you know, have actual mm-hmm. you know interscholastic sports as opposed to you know. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but. Yeah, I think Old Colony is going to take it away, but it'll be interesting to see the score because, you know, we just saw kind of the bottom half of the SEC in Wareham, you know, comfortably beating Atlantis Charter and to see how uh, Old Colony stacks up. Because, again, Old Colony to me is like kind of exists in their bubble. Again, like it would Mm. be great if you played some more local teams. It's they try to, to some extent. I know in basketball they do a little better jobs than some yeah. other sports. It's bigger schedule, it's a little easier. Yeah, it's, it's tough in football to to make that jump because there's always the size. For some reason, it seems like when you're a smaller school with your student body, it seems like size is just somehow not playing to your advantage either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 and you know, going off that whole rant too, Atlantis Charter does not fall into that category. It's a totally different like animal. I hope people can understand that too. They are mm-hmm. exempt from what I was saying before. So we all picking the Cougars? Here? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that you're a total blowout just because I don't know if Old Colony is built to put up a ton of points, but if there was a game they could do it, this would be it. Yeah. And they did put up against 30 against South Shore, and I'm sure South Shore would beat Atlantis. So. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be, you know what, I, I think it will be something like 21 to 7, or, or they'll go for two points. I think so that actually may be exactly what I picked. Really? Yeah, I'm trying to think of my picks this morning. Mind meld. It's it's going to be tough because they don't I mean with the yeah no Proctor kicks so they it couldn't be in twenty one seven just because I think it'll they'll score all their twenty one points in the first half maybe even the first quarter and then they'll just take their foot off the gas. So those are the week nine games nine week nine games as always you can follow along Thursday Friday and Saturday we'll have some coverage Woo! on at sc underscore varsity on Twitter uh, you can read my preview it'll be online tonight at southcoasttoday.com tomorrow morning in the Standard Times which is Thursday. 
Which is Thursday, exactly. Yes, uh, no one knows exactly when we're recording this, exactly. right? We're living in a time and space bubble here <laughs> in this back room at the Standard Times. Thanks for joining me, guys. And uh, as always, thanks to our listeners. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.